You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, January 11th, which happens to be my Thursday co-host, Rob Stats Guerrero's birthday. So everyone make sure you guys uh, join me in wishing Rob a very happy birthday today. Uh, Rob, thanks for spending part of your birthday, you know, with us. Uh, sorry to hear that you're feeling under under the weather, but I hope that Dayquil is is starting to kick in. Yes, God bless the makers of Dayquil. I am happy to be here. Where would you rather be? But right here, right now, to steal a line from Marv Levy, and to steal a line from Jimmy Garoppolo. Feels great, baby. Jeez, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. You're breaking out all the stops already. It's beautiful. <laughs> I am. I came prepared. Um, but Rob, like we always start the show this week in 49ers history. Hey, look, you're getting some some birthday shout outs in the comments. Shout out our live viewers. Uh, love you guys. All right. But this week in 49ers history. And I think I think you might know where this one's going. All right. Yep. January 10th, 1982, Candlestick Park, with 58 seconds remaining in the 1981 NFC Championship game against the Dallas Cowboys. On third and three, on the Cowboys' six-yard line, Bill Walsh calls sprint right option. So Joe Montana snaps the ball, sprints right. He looks, keeps looking. He has three defenders surrounding him. He finally finds Dwight Clark. High in the back of the end zone, Clark makes a leaping fingertip catch for the game-winning score, sending the 49ers to their first Super Bowl. And as we know, the catch and this famous picture that we're seeing here, uh, taken by Walter Eos, became immortalized in 49ers history. The best part of that play is afterwards, Ed Tall jones says to Joe Montana, you just beat America's team. And Joe Montana looks at him and says, well, America's team can sit on their ass and watch the super, watch the 49ers <laughs> of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I love the trash talk. And, and just oh. like uh, about this, this photo, what was interesting, cause I actually like, you know, preparing for this, I did a little bit of research on like the photographer and he actually was a Cowboys fan throughout the year because he was the photographer for the team and, and became friends with some of the players and all that. So he was actually heartbroken uh, when this moment happened. Uh, but little did he know at that moment that he took his most famous picture. That's kind of interesting. That's an all-time photo. I mean, it's literally the perfect moment. The ball is just in the fingertips of Dwight Clark. And like people don't remember the, the 49ers like came out of nowhere. Like no one expected the 49ers to knock off the Cowboys who were like the team at the time. This was like an upset. This would be like, you know, the lions upsetting the 49ers in the playoffs right now. Like that's what this is. Crazy. And it kicked off the Niners dynasty of the eighties. Yeah. I mean, definitely a memory that we hold in our hearts is all the faithful do. And, you know, we weren't alive for this time, but even, even then, I think we, we feel the emotion of, of how much this felt uh, or how much it mattered to the, to the franchise 
and to the players and just all all fans, whether you were there, where you, whether you were alive or you weren't at the time, um, you know, it still holds a lot of value today. So I thought it was a good one. I also wanted to share the uh, so the next day. And this was before you were born, of course, uh, Rob. Glad we got that sorted yes. out, by the Thank way. Thank you for you, acknowledging you not, twice. <laughs> you, you weren't born, you know, in 1981 or 1982. But uh, January 11th, 1982, this was the headline of the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, and you see Sports Illustrated about a week later put out the, uh, the photo um, on the front cover of their magazine, which actually Walter Eos was a photographer for Sports Illustrated. So they got to put it up um, front and center of their magazine. So pretty cool. Uh, but Rob, I mean, we got some important breaking news that's been going around, like not even just the NFL, even uh, college football, right? Like yesterday we yes. found out Nick Saban uh, retires as head coach, uh, you know, famously for a very long time, head coach of Alabama, and so that, you know, sweep the nation as, you know, breaking news. This morning, we find out that Bill Belichick, after 24 seasons as head coach of the Patriots, uh, is out of New England. And then also yesterday, uh, we got the bombshell that in Seattle, you know, Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seahawks. We never thought we'd see the day. Uh, he's not completely out. I mean, it, it seems like he's going to remain with the team as an advisor. I know at times during the season, it may have crossed our minds that this would maybe come someday, but it still feels very surreal. Doesn't it? It's weird. Like Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they were just like the coaches. You didn't think about it. They were there every year, like part of playing the Seahawks. And that rivalry with the Seahawks was seeing stupid Pete Carroll's face chomping on that gum on the <laughs> sideline, him running around, pumping his fist when whatever crazy stuff was going to happen actually happened. Like it's going to be weird next year seeing somebody else with the Seahawks. Like, He's as identifiable with them as anybody. He's the greatest coach they've ever had. Former 49ers defensive coordinator, by the way, people may not remember, but it's going to be weird. And uh, I'm glad we sent him off with five straight losses. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to, I guess, like the, the next question and, and next discussion point, because a lot of people, a lot of 49er fans happy that Pete Carroll is out and I get it because there, there was a lot of built up, you know, anger there from all the times <laughs> that Pete Carroll's Russell Wilson's team, you know, beat the 49ers in heartbreaking fashion for several years felt like, but you know, as of late, he hadn't really been doing that. In fact, uh, yeah, I, I made sure to add this onto the slides. Um, but in fact, you know, in the last four years, he's four and 10 against Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. So you have to think that at least part of the reason that he's out of Seattle is because he can't win in his own division as it stands, right? Like the type of football that he's grown accustomed to, he's an OG, right? Like the NFL has moved on and it's in this new era of young coaches and you got guys like Shanahan and McVay 
and even Jonathan Gannon, who are in your division now. And, you know, maybe the time has passed for Pete Carroll. But then that kind of brings me to the point of, is this actually good for the 49ers? Like, yes, we're happy, but is it a possibility now that they can actually upgrade? Absolutely. There is that possibility. We don't know if they will. I would say chances are they won't. Like statistically, I feel like you're you're more likely to hire a bad coach than a good coach, but they might. And we knew with Pete Carroll now, especially without Russell Wilson, like Kyle had it. He figured it out. He cracked the code. And by the way, uh, you know, the game might have passed Pete Carroll by, but he's 72 years old. Like the game usually passes by some coaches at like 50 or 60. Pete Carroll was 72. Like as much as I bag on Pete Carroll, he is an incredible coach with an incredibly successful career, coached multiple Hall of Famers while he was in Seattle. Like his defenses, you know, the fingerprints of those defenses are everywhere across the NFL. Like let's not understate and minimize the career that he had. But lately, yeah, in the, in the end of his career here, like they figured him out. And now Seattle has a chance to hire somebody like the Cardinals did, right? Cliff Kingsbury was a worse coach than Jonathan Gannon. Like the Cardinals have a halfway decent coaching staff. Now they didn't, they upgraded after firing Cliff Kingsbury. The Seahawks now have the chance to do the same. Yeah. So this at least opens the door for the Seahawks to upgrade. Of course, like, you know, we acknowledge it's easier said than done, uh, especially with several head coach, head coaching openings, uh, out there now i think there's there's eight i have a slide for that as well eight head coaches 25 percent of the league have been let go so far and there's some surprising names on this list like you know you mentioned bill belichick we uh hadn't mentioned mike Fabrell, but he's a big one too and i'm sure he's gonna get a lot of interest uh going forward in this cycle but i think the obvious one uh for the Seahawks and, you know, even Ben Albright has kind of hinted at this Cowboys current defensive coordinator, former Seahawks defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, this certainly comes to mind. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's an upgrade, right? We've seen him as a head coach before, of course, not of the Seahawks, but um, not all good coordinators make good coaches. So w- what is your thought on Dan Quinn coming back to the, Uh, potentially coming back to Seattle, would that be an upgrade for them? Um, I don't know. I don't really think so. Um, And I, you know, before this year, I would have said, Hey, that's bad news for the 49ers because Dan Quinn kind of owns Kyle Shanahan. He knows him really well because they used to work together in Atlanta, but then the Cowboys came to San Francisco this year in week five and absolutely got their doors blown off. And the Niners destroyed Dan Quinn's defense. I don't know if that still applies anymore. Do I think it would be an upgrade? No, not really. Like, what are you, what are you trying to improve? Right. What was Pete Carroll? He was a defensive coach. who was very conservative. So now you want to bring in Dan Quinn, who's a defensive head coach. Who's very conservative. Like, I'm not sure that that's the route you want to go. And let's be honest, the strength of Seattle right now is their offense. Their, their defense is not very good, but their offense is good. They have good players there. They have good skill players. So look, if, if that's the route Seattle wants to go as a Niner fan, I welcome it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. The fact that Carol is going to stay around as an advisor, because what if the plan is to bring in a head coach that, you know, maybe doesn't have the experience that Carol had, maybe doesn't do the things that 
you know, Carol had like maybe he, it's an offensive minded, you know, for example, uh, head coach that they bring in and you you could have Carol in the background kind of helping that head coach for the defensive things, you know, the things that don't come quite natural. Um, because, again, like- not not every good coordinator, it doesn't always translate because there's so much more responsibility that you have as a head coach that you just don't find out if you're good or bad at those things until you get thrown into that role, right? So I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason why they want to keep Carroll around. Let me just say this. And I said it when the Niners drafted Trey Lance and kept Jimmy Garoppolo. You can't move the new girlfriend into the apartment while the old girlfriend is still living there. (laughs) It's not fair to whoever you bring in to replace Pete Carroll to have Pete Carroll there in the background hovering over, you know, saying, I I wouldn't do it this way. What about this? What about players that are unhappy? They're going to go to Pete Carroll, especially Pete's old players. Like, it's not a good look. And I know they, you know, they're trying to make it look like, oh, well, we're not firing him. We're just, he was fired. Okay. He even said in his press conference, he fought like hell to remain the head coach. He's not the head coach anymore. He was fired. They can, we don't like to use that word anymore. Teams keep using like these stupid mutual parting of the way. He was fired. Yeah. He wasn't good enough. He got canned. And that's, yeah. they all do. You're hired to get fired as a head coach. And, you know, Pete had a great line in his press conference yesterday that I thought completely and accurately summed up just Pete Carroll in a nutshell. He said, I'm not tired. I'm pumped up. I don't know what comes next, but I'm excited for it. Like that is literally Pete Carroll in a nutshell. He's going to get another job somewhere. I think, I think he'll be coaching next year. So I don't think ultimately he'll be in Seattle. I think they're just saying that now to make it look better for the optics. Thank you. For yeah, all the sorry, break. my internet's uh, my internet is lagging a bit. Xfinity, I'm gonna yell at a cloud um, <laughs> on my shit list. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're just gonna have to wait and see how it unfolds for Seattle. What plans they have? But you make a good point. You know, I think they have so much respect for Pete Carroll that they couldn't just stay or like officially fire him because of that and you know giving him the advisor role major a way of phasing him out you know slowly without it having to necessarily hurt uh for both sides but look we actually got some breaking news really quickly uh that i want to turn to before we move on to our next topic so adam peters who had interviewed for the uh, commanders, uh, I don't think it was their GM position. It's their head of football operation position. He interviewed for that, I believe it was Tuesday night. And Ian Rappaport is reporting that Adam Peters is a finalist uh, for the commanders right now. So a very interesting turn of events. I guess not really surprising, but this does, you know, heighten the possibility of Adam Peters, you know, maybe leaving the 49ers. Interesting. Um, look, we've, this is a reality that we've sort of lived in for the past couple of years. I don't know how important Adam Peters is to the whole operation. Some people think he's very important. Some people think he's not as important that Kyle is really more important. I have no idea. Um, I tend to favor keeping the band together because the Niners have been so successful in the Shanahan era, particularly recently. 
Um, I was sort of wondering if maybe Adam Peters waits till the Niners playoff run is over to officially accept a job. Like what if he's thinking, you know, if the Niners win the Super Bowl and John Lynch leaves, then I'll just stay and become the GM in San Francisco. But if the Niners don't win the Super Bowl and John Lynch isn't going anywhere, I don't want to be the number two around here anymore. I want to take another job. So I was sort of hoping that's how it would play out. But maybe it won't. Maybe he's saying, look, I'm not waiting anymore. Uh, I'm just going to go if, if the commanders want me. Yeah, and, and for the commanders, the other finalist is Ian Cunningham. He is the Bears assistant GM. So two assistant GMs that the commanders were after. The one dynamic I, that I think is important here is that I've I've seen reports or I just heard that Josh Harris wants a lot of control, uh, actually, for the commanders in who knows, that could maybe uh, steer some people away. But, of course, Adam Peters doing his due diligence here, and he has to see it through. And as, if anything, if for a bargaining chip, see if the 49ers, you know, make a move, if, if this gets them uh, inclined to promote him uh, to general manager. But we'll have to wait and see. I guess we'll find out how important Adam Peters is to the 49ers or how important they feel he is to the 49ers. Mm -hmm. I know on Tuesday's Bully Ball, when we did that one together, you know, you mentioned maybe Tariq Ahmad, you know, maybe they feel he's ready to start moving up the ladder, right? So maybe they would be okay with Adam Peters walking. But definitely something uh, that we're going to continue to monitor, but wanted to make sure that I share that uh, news as it just came in. Gammon Brown asked, what are the significant differences between head of football ops and GM positions? Rob, I'm going to defer to you because I honestly have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly it's money more than anything else. Like, because, yeah, technically, isn't Martin Mayhew still the GM in Washington? So, like, but you're not going to hire Adam Peters and then have Martin Mayhew make all the decisions. as Like, so it's, it's yeah, I think it's mostly title. Um, I think it's a way to kind of do what we thought the 49ers might do, which is keep John Lynch, keep Adam Peters, right? John Lynch is the is the vice president of football, president of football operations, whatever the hell he is now. In addition to being the GM, I actually thought that's what they were going to do. They were going to extend Lynch, bump him up, and then also bump up Adam Peters. Because remember, that news came out like a month after Lynch signed his extension. That We got yeah. news like, oh, he also got this additional title. I thought they were setting the stage for that. Um, but they didn't promote Adam Peters. Maybe that was the sign right there that like they were sort of ambivalent. Like, hey, if he wants to stay, great. If he doesn't, we'll deal with it. It, it sort of just felt like them giving Adam Peters a bone, you know, after, you know, last cycle, he got a lot of interest. Do they do the same thing this year? That's what, you know, we, we do not know. I don't know why then they couldn't have just promoted him to GM. Right. And then did exactly. that little title switch. I don't know. But I think they like having John Lynch as the face of the franchise. Like, I think we talked about that on Tuesday as well, that like a GM typically is like the face of the franchise. You you talk, you know, you get the pressers here mm -hmm. and there. Um, but head of football ops, more of a background role. Of course, you still have a lot of responsibility, but not a front-facing one as much. So maybe the, the 49ers like John Lynch in, in that front facing role. I feel like John Lynch likes that as well. So 
who knows? And yes, Martin Mayhew, currently the GM in, in Washington, whoever the 49 or sorry, whoever the commanders hire as head of football ops, I think will have some say in the GM uh, and who stays. So again, I, I think uh, Martin Mayhew is probably really pulling for Adam Peters uh, right. because he would likely stay in that scenario. But again, we'll, we'll continue to monitor this. Uh, there's another uh, 49ers, you know, coach in this case that is getting some attention for head coaching positions and it is Steve Wilkes the Chargers had requested permission to interview him now the Falcons are the second team to emerge um, and have requested permission for Steve Wilkes now this whole time Rob I have been openly saying I'm not really worried about Steve Wilkes leaving this cycle I still feel that way even with the two interview requests now but how are you kind of feeling about it I was surprised to see another team uh, request permission like you said because I didn't feel like he was the hottest of the hot candidates right now it's almost like well he was a coach and now he's back to defensive coordinator and the Niners defense is really good again. So we'll throw Steve Wilkes name in the hat, you know, in the ring, I should say, I I don't feel like if you were a fan of the Falcons or the chargers and you're like, Hey, we got a new coach. We're going to, you know, we're going to really supercharge this team. Steve Wilkes is the guy. Are you going to be like super stoked about that? I don't know. I just feel like teams cast a wide net. Al Davis once said when he interviewed head coaches, he would interview way more people than he was interested in just because he liked to get other opinions on his team and his roster and see how like people around the league were feeling about his team. I actually think that's a really good strategy. Um, And so I, it feels more like that kind of a thing than, Hey, teams are legitimately interested in Steve Wilkes, who by the way is still currently suing the league. (laughs) Just a a small little matzo ball hanging out there. Um, But Wilkes, um, most recently, having served as the Panthers' interim head coach before coming to San Francisco, may know a thing or two about the Falcons, you know, divisional rival. So that's something that can interest, you know, the Falcons. That could be part of the the reason. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, there's there's more reasons than just hey, we want you as the head coach that a team may want to interview a candidate. There's so many other reasons. Um, and and one that people point out all the time is the Rooney rule, right? This could be the Rooney rule um, interview for, you know, the Chargers, for the Falcons. Um, I hate to think that's the only reason that teams would interview, uh, you know, certain coaches. But I don't think that's the case. I think at the same time, like Steve Wilkes has also – had a great year in San Francisco. So I think he deserves to get some attention here. Um, but ultimately, like I've been saying, because he's just simply not the hottest candidate out there. Um, I, I don't see him going this cycle, but at the same time, there's now eight open positions out there. So you just never know how this is going to shake out. And teams also lose patience sometimes for, you know, guys who are in the playoffs and they, you know, they keep going. So maybe if the 49ers make it further into the playoffs, probably lessens the chance Wilkes leaves even further. Um, But another one we'll continue to monitor. And of course, you know, this report from uh, Mike Garofalo came this Thursday morning. So I'm sure there's, as Kyle Shanahan alluded to, there were other teams that were interested. So this may be one of those teams and who knows, there could be others in the mix. For Steve Wilkes. Um, but let's get into some 
player news. The 49ers uh, did a swap, one veteran corner for another, some shakeup in their practice squad. They signed uh, Terrence Mitchell, cornerback, and defensive lineman Sam Okwe-Nonu uh, to their practice squad. And they placed uh, Taylor Hawkins and Jason Verrett on injured reserve, both practice squad players. Um, so again, like this isn't huge news or anything. It's just to their practice squad. But I was talking about it yesterday with uh, Wayne that it felt like a point of emphasis that the 49ers wanted to bring in a veteran corner. And so that's part of the move. And Mitchell actually you know, had spent some time with the team earlier this year. So he at least has a, some uh, experience with the team and the scheme already, although it was only about a week before he was placed on injured reserve back in July uh, when he was with the team uh, during camp. But the one piece of news, Rob, that from, from this tweet from Matt Barrows that I want to talk about, he reports that 49ers safety George Odom, his 21-day practice window has now opened. This is huge for the 49ers special teams unit. Yes, because he's one of the best special teams players in the entire league. And the 49ers were not very confident in their coverage units without him. There's a reason they started kicking everything through the end zone, because they were like, we can't cover. We are not confident that we can cover, and we are not going to give the other team any sort of breathing room when it comes to making a big play on us. Uh, he was Odom was tied for the lead in special teams tackles this season, despite missing those six games with the torn biceps. So it's going to be a massive, massive boost to get him back. Although I will say, even when he comes back, keep kicking it out of the end zone. It's working. It's fine. You kick it out of the end zone. You have zero chance of a big kickoff return. Whereas kicking it short of the end zone, you might have like a 10% chance of tackling the person before the 25 yard line. Like to me, the risk reward does not even close. Just keep kicking it through the end zone. That's why you drafted Jake Moody anyway. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Brian Schneider's uh, listening to the pod and he'll, he'll take that advice. Uh, but yeah, George Odom huge because look, he he's an all pro for his special teams prowess. And as KP tweeted yesterday, George Odom finished the season tied for eighth in special teams tackles, despite missing the final six games of the season. That's how big George Odom coming back for the playoffs is going to be for this team. He was huge for them uh, when he was healthy. So it, it'll be great to have him back. And now going into the playoffs, of course, the 49ers are going to be off this weekend. You know, they're not going to be playing a game. Instead, they'll be watching them just like you and me, Rob. Uh, I just want to ask you and get your, your take on, who would you want to play the most out of the NFC teams? Tampa Bay, without question. They, Baker Mayfield is the probably the worst quarterback of all the quarterbacks left in the playoffs for the NFC. He's also really banged up. He's clearly not at 100%. Um, so I would absolutely sign for that. Look, I know the Eagles look bad, but like they still have talent there. Um, to me, I don't see, I just don't see any way that the Buccaneers would beat the 49ers. Even if the Niners turned it over a couple of times against the Bucs, I still feel like they'd be able to win. So those other teams all have at least one thing that scares me a little. The Bucs don't have any. <laughs> Man, that's harsh. I mean, I like the the Bucks receivers. I think Baker Mayfield has been having a good season. I uh, like their running back, Rashad White. But I agree with you, Rob. I think, you know, the Bucs is 
probably the low-hanging fruit of this group, although I wouldn't mind the Eagles either. I think they're just a broken team. They're a wounded bird, uh, quite literally. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't see much fight left in them. I really don't know how they turn it around. And sure, maybe the excitement of being in the playoffs has them playing a little bit harder, but I think there's some deep rooted issues uh, that they haven't quite figured out all season. And I'm supposed to believe that within one week, they're going to figure it out. I really, I don't feel very confident about it. So uh, for that reason, I I think the Bucks beat the Eagles. Me too. And I don't, I'm not even sure the Eagles want to be here. Like, I'm not even sure they want to still be playing football. It just seems like they, yeah. I wouldn't be stunned if they, especially if they lost, if Nick Sirianni got fired, honestly, it's so, it's so bad in Philadelphia right now. They're miserable there. Did you see that video of Sirianni talking about the Pro Bowl players? None of them smile when he's reading off like the Eagles players that makes the Pro Bowl. They're just sitting there. They look so unhappy. Jason Kelsey is the only one that even mustered any sort of a smile. I think things are just going in the complete wrong direction in Philly. I wouldn't rule out a coaching change for the Eagles. If they lose, especially if they look really bad, I wouldn't rule out a coaching change for the Cowboys if they lose. I don't think it's out of the question that Mike McCarthy gets fired and Jim Harbaugh gets hired in Dallas. It would be kind of funny if uh, Mike McCarthy got eliminated and then fired because he lost to his former (laughs) team. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Um, But, you know, I don't see that happening. I think the Cowboys pull it out at home, although I do think that's going to be a sneaky good game. Like, I think the Packers are going to, you know, give it their best effort. Jordan Love playing some good football right now. And I think the Rams win, honestly. I think the Rams win. um, Is there a game Sunday? I don't even remember, but... I think the Rams pull it out, and I think that's who the 49ers are going to be playing. That's not who I want to see. That's probably the one I least want to see, uh, but that's what I think is going to happen. Now, of the NFC teams, who would you least want to face? So you're asking me who I least want to face. I'm not afraid of anybody, for the record. That's fair, yeah. Who I least want to face? Probably the Rams, because they know the 49ers better than anybody. Uh, McVay certainly knows Shanahan. I went back and rewatched the first Niners Rams game. And like that was a back and forth game that really swung on an interception. The Stafford threw a ball that just went right off the receiver's hands and the Niners picked it off. I think it was Isaiah Oliver who picked it off. They went down and scored. And that's kind of how that game swung. So it wasn't like the Niners just bludgeoned the Rams. It was actually a very close game. So I would say they're the team that I would least like to play, but I do not fear anybody in the NFC. Okay. That's fair. Um, I think I'm, I'm of the same mind. Like I, I think uh, for me, the Rams would be the team that I I wouldn't want to see. And then uh, the lions again for like the unknown. So the Rams, because of the very known, (laughs) those teams know each other very well. And the lions, cause they, you know, they just haven't faced each other and they don't, know each other all that well gammon in the comments asks what's the number one game you're watching in both conferences well gammon i'll tell you what game i'm not watching it's the one that's going to be exclusively on peacock and i don't feel bad about it i'll see if i can find some stream online that i can uh watch it on for legal purposes that is a joke um but rob (laughs) what's what's your number one game that you're you're watching this weekend yeah i totally agree by the way nfl you're not getting me to sign up to watch it playoff game that's not my team sorry i'll i'll live i can follow it on twitter or whatever uh the game i'm watching in both conferences um number one in the nfc to me 
it's Lions Rams because obviously that has a great yeah. impact because if the Lions win, then the Niners are either going to play the Packers or the winner of Eagles Bucks on Monday. So I'm going to be locked into Rams Lions. I think the Lions have an absolute shot at winning that game. Uh, so that's the one in the NFC where I'm going to be hyper-focused. In the AFC, I don't know. I guess because I'm not going to watch this. If the Peacock game was on regular TV, it would be that game. But I'm not going to just sign up for like I refuse to do that. So I'll say, let me go Texans-Browns. D'Amico, watch D'Amico. I'm kind of pulling for them a little bit. Also, I wouldn't hate if the Browns were eliminated considering how much trouble their defense gave the 49ers earlier in the year. So I guess I'll go Texans-Browns in the AFC. I, I agree on both points there. I think... You couldn't have written a better script than than Rams Lions, so that's the top game. I'm going to watch all the games except for yeah. the you know the Peacock one, but you know I think that one just for the storylines that go into it, I think it's going to be a really good one. Two you know good teams, but two teams whose defenses can give up a lot of points, right? So I think we're going to see the offenses kind of go off in that game, which could make for some entertaining football, right? And on the AFC side. Yeah, for me, it's Browns-Texans because I love what the Texans are doing. I love D'Amico Ryans. I love C.J. Stroud. I'm so invested in what they have going on right now. It's been really awesome to watch. Um, and I think they can, you know, they can make it interesting against the Browns. I think, you know, the Browns are playing some really good football too, especially now that they have Joe Flacco. They have a quarterback. Who knew, right, that – um, they, they actually look like they could be dangerous cause they, they've pretty, they've bounced out in, in the second half of the season and that's huge going into the playoffs. So I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Um, uh, and quite honestly, even if the dolphins and chiefs game was like on any other channel, I still would say Browns Texans. And it's because wow. I'm not buying the hype on the chiefs. I know everyone's like, watch out for the chiefs. I'm just not buying it. I just, Again, they're kind of like the Eagles, like, but the Chiefs have been treading water. They kind of did the same thing last year, but last year they were better. I feel like people they were under the radar, but only because people were forgetting about them. They weren't like at the level, you know, we'd seen them in the past when they had Tyreek Hill and all that. But they're still a good team. This year, I, I just like I don't see it. I, I don't see it with them. I know they still have Patrick Mahomes. Maybe they they pull out some so sorcery. I actually do think they can get the win against the Dolphins because the Dolphins dealing with so many injuries on defense, especially their defensive line. So I think that's going to hurt them, especially going up against Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think on paper, if you had shown me that matchup at the beginning of the year, I would be like, oh, hell yeah. But I'm not I'm not even bummed that I'm missing that game. I'll just say that. I have no confidence that the Dolphins are going to go and beat the Chiefs in nine degree weather in Arrowhead. Like that too. The Dolphins yeah. always look bad against good teams. The Chiefs have a really good defense. Like you said, Miami's really banged up. And in the cold weather, like I don't have any faith in Miami. I think they're 0-5 in their last five games under 40 degrees, something like that. Tua has not been good in the cold. You know, that's something that we don't know about Brock Purdy, right? We've never seen him play in the cold weather, in the snow. Iowa State not have cold games? I mean... I don't think, like, like nine degrees? Like, not many places have nine okay, degrees. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Brock may 
not get the opportunity to play in those. But like when I say there are things we don't know about Brock Purdy, people get mad at me. But like this is one of them playing in cold weather for a quarterback is a thing. It's it's a real thing. And we've seen Brock in the rain look a little different than he's looked in regular weather. Would he look the same in the cold? I don't know. We don't know. We're not going to have to find out because the Niners don't leave the damn Pacific time zone for the rest of the season. And that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. And that's why it was so important for them because usually it's the teams that never experience cold where they are, like the 49ers, that you know then struggle in, in those climates because mm-hmm. they're just not used to it. And let's be honest, there's certain temperatures that once it drops to that, like, I don't think anyone plays well in those conditions. Like we saw uh, the 49ers and Packers and what was that, like nine degree uh, weather, right? And that, that, we saw how that went down. No one played really a good game in that one. So, yeah, it hurts every team, but that's going to be an interesting one. Um, I think, yeah, that'll definitely stifle the Dolphins for sure because they're not used to that. But That was the best Jimmy G moment of all time, by the way. After that Packers game, the Jimmy G moment where he's with Robbie Gold and he says, bleep the Packers. Did You you saw that clip. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. To, that's the highlight of Jimmy Garoppolo as a 49er. The way he said it with such disgust. I was like, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, no love lost between those two teams. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but definitely uh, good to knock out the Packers in the playoffs. Wouldn't mind doing it again. They're just saying. But, Rob, we're going to let you enjoy your birthday here. I know you got other shows going on today, so hopefully those go well for, for you. Uh, but in the meantime, everyone who tuned in, make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the channel, not just my channel, but the Gold Standard Network as well. Um, my January goal is to reach 2,900 subscribers. I'm pretty close, so hopefully I, I think we could do it. Uh, but if you're not subscribed, make sure you do that. And if you are subscribed, hit that notification button so you know when I go live. Um, I'll be going live this weekend once we find out who the 49ers will be facing. And if we have to wait till Monday, so be it. Um, But uh, audio listeners, give the show a follow, leave a rating. Always love to know what you guys think. But for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.